Greetings and felicitations. Welcome to episode 10 of the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur, and today is Friday, May the 1st. Well, we made it through April. We are currently in day 46, I guess, if you're counting, depending on your calendar, day 46 of our quarantine or self-imposition at home, uh, staying away from others, staying away from work, and interesting thing that I'm seeing on the news is a revolution. People are actually rebelling against government, mostly on the state level because some of the governors of certain states, Michigan, California, and of all places, Maine, are turning against their their leadership the governors, the self-imposed stay-at-home orders. People are tired. People are very tired of looking at the same four walls. They want to go back to work. They want to go back to shop. They want to go back to their normal lives. I understand that. I get it. We're we're living, as as much as I'd hate to say it, because uh, I know Leslie doesn't like this, but we live in uncertain times. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. But uh, a friend of mine, Dee McNary, sent me a, a spoof video of a movie that was going to come out called Coronaville or something like that. Well, it basically showed a black man wanting to go back out to work, to play, to do what he used to do. And the establishment are telling him, no, you got to stay at home. No, you can't go out. No, you can't do this. What's a man to do? Which brings me to my point. Uh, I saw many people that were protesting at at the state capitol in Michigan against the mayor or the governor who has uh, imposed strict stay-at-home orders. But the people are there protesting, and a lot of them are carrying signs that say freedom. What is freedom? I don't think you can get a very definite answer if you ask a hundred different people. You might get an idea of what they think freedom is, But this is the way I see it. We live in a nation of laws. Why do we live in a nation of laws? Because laws protect us from ourselves mostly. Because if there's a law that says you can't dance naked in your your front yard because you might offend your neighbors, but if you want to dance naked in your backyard, well then that's okay. Because it seems most of, at least in my neighborhood, most of my neighbors like to do their stuff in, in the front yard barbecue, socialize, which used to be, when I was growing up, a backyard thing. That's what you did because you didn't want others to see that you had you were having a party and you didn't invite them. So what is freedom? Uh, our founding fathers fought for freedom from tyranny of King George in England. And the uh, statues that he was imposing on the colonists in the form of taxes... And we kind of have the same thing. We have governors sitting up in their ivory towers, dictating to the masses, and really not giving anything in return. And especially the, the most important part is they're not listening to those of us who put them in power. Now, King George, if you want to go back 200 some odd years, that's a different story. He was a king. He was a monarch. And that was a different set of rules back then. But now, we elect officials to represent us. Now, here's the thing. You can protest all you want. 
But don't break the law. Here's that Lord again, the laws. We live in a nation of laws. Uh, Martin Luther King was correct. You can protest and you can you can nonviolently get things changed. It's going to take time. It doesn't happen overnight. Malcolm X was a little bit more direct and believed in direct confrontation. You have two trains of thought when it comes to fighting for freedom or equal or equality. So, getting back to freedom, the people are exercising their right. They have a right to protest. They have a right to assemble. Even though in this time and day where it's illegal, or it's not really illegal, it's just not recommended to socialize or associate with others in a large group. But they are, because they're tired. People in California, the governor had closed all the beaches and then he changed his mind and said, I'm only going to close the beaches in Orange County, but not the rest of California. Well, now the people in, in, in Orange County, the, uh, the people of the, that run the beach area there, voted against what the governor was saying and opened the beaches because people want to get out, they want to surf, they want to collect seashells, they want to do what people do at the beach. The thing is, people... We can start going back out slowly. Take your time. Baby steps. Because it's like I said. Probably by January. They're predicting January. I'm giving them a year. We'll have a vaccine. We're very close. Now... The vaccine, we don't know what the long-term effects are because it's a new vaccine. But if it works initially, I'm pretty sure everybody's going to want it because we want to get back to normal. We want to go back to being able to walk around the North Shore Mall and visit the shops and do all our stuff, go back to the movies, you know, go to comedy clubs and all that good stuff. But people are revolting. They're going up against their elected officials because they don't think it's right. And that's our that's the that's the beauty of our democracy. If you don't think somebody's doing the job that you want them to do, you vote them out of office. There's a hint there for people like Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and all the other turds that are making our uh, our government work twice as hard. And spend twice as much money than they should be doing because you guys just don't want to play ball. I'm not going to go get get into the whole political thing. It's just, uh, it's a mess. And, uh, well, that's it in a nutshell. We will get, we're slowly, people are slowly going. Now, here's the other, the other side of this coin. There are a whole slew of other doctors that are saying there is data. There are certain, uh, um, tests that have been done that show the gathering of people in large open areas like a park um, is okay because we tend not to be too social in a park you know because if you go to a park on a busy Sunday you know unless you're there with a party of people the next people are going to be quite a ways away from you so unless a whole bunch of people are infected with this, this disease there hasn't been any cases based on what they're saying there haven't been any transmittable cases via a large group in an open area, an open space. That's a good thing. 
because now we know. See, every day we learn something different about this disease. And at some point we're going to probably nip it in the bud and we can all move on with our lives. Which is a good thing. It's a very positive thing. Now I see a lot of you on my, my Facebook that are just fed up. And I see others that seem, this, this, is, this is their crowning achievement that many people are dying and all they can do is point it out, point out the weaknesses and errors of our, our elected officials. And you know what, that's okay because that's your right as an American. But here's the thing, do you realize how much damage you can do to the rest of us? Going up against your elected officials is one thing, but when you beat the rest of us down with all the crap that you put out there, is very detrimental to our health. And you know what? I'm not one for saying what people should or shouldn't say. Everybody's got that right to, the, to, to express their opinion. I, if I don't like yours, I don't have to listen to it. I, if I see what you're writing is not in agreement with my, with my center, I'm going to move on. And you should do the same. Let's be positive about this. It's going to come to an end. But right now... Because these are uncertain times, we have to live a certain way. And that's masked up, washed up, uh, social distancing. I know a lot of you haven't hugged your moms. Don't worry, there'll be plenty of time for that. So, this is the way it is on this uh, day one of May. Like I said, we've made it through 46 days of quarantine. Uh, it's not my particular best. My best is 93 days. Uh, 93 days on a submarine with the hatch closed from leaving from point A, returning to point A, from point B and C, never leaving the ship for 93 days. Me and 101 other guys for 93 days, eating with each other, laughing with each other, and sometimes fighting with each other. But we all popped out of the top of that hatch, none the worse for wear, and we were ready after a week for the next 90 days, or 84 days, or however many days we were going to be gone. So, this is only day 45. You got this. You can do this for, you can do this for another 30 days if you have to. But I hope it doesn't get that bad. I hope many of you are getting out and about little by little. I know most of you are going out to the grocery stores, and that's how you're getting your your daily uh, or weekly social uh, respite to see other people. And although, all in all, for the most part, yeah, people are acting really stupid out there. Uh, they're driving really stupid. They are running their carts in the grocery stores really stupid. I mean, it's like, look, the stuff is there. Nobody's going to take it within the next 10 minutes. Just chill out. Give everybody else a chance. There's no point in uh, in doing in going through all this extremes just to you know. And I can only imagine the people that are sitting right now. There's there's somebody out there sitting on 300 packs of toilet paper. Good luck. I hope you got enough protein to use all that toilet paper. That's the other thing. They say there's going to be a protein shortage. Everybody's suffering. Everybody's going to take a hit. The the meat packing industry, although they say there's still plenty of protein out there. Even though the stores are starting to ration the protein, and by protein I mean meat, chicken, ham, things like that, the good stuff. 
Uh, there's still a shortage on some things like canned goods. Uh, fruit, you know, here's here's the really thing. I, I, I eat fruit a lot. I eat, uh, when I go to a clinic every morning at 4 o'clock, I have three peach halves. And I haven't been able to find peaches for three weeks out of the store. I usually buy the larger can because it has more. That's that's a week's worth for me because I'll eat two to three every other day. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And sometimes there's anywhere from seven to nine halves in a large can. The cans are all gone. I have had no peaches for three weeks. Not that it's a big deal, but it, it, it disrupts my routine. So that's that. I'm pretty sure they'll come back. You know, but there's other things. I mean, it's like I'm trying to find replacement toothbrushes for my Colgate uh, toothbrush machine, automatic, or whatever you call it, the the battery-operated toothbrush. There are no replacement heads. I'm, I've been using this head four months already. It's, it's worn. It's it's seen its better days. It is not as stiff a brush as it used to be. I'll put it to you that way. So, I'm not asking for help. Or where I, I want or let me know if you find it. You know, I don't care. It's they'll come back eventually. We'll have this stuff well in hand, and we can get back to the life of living like Americans and bitching about what's on TV. But uh, we got Mother's Day coming up. That should be fun. Uh, y'all, I guess all you can do is call your mom or hit her up on Facebook and say Happy Mother's Day because I can't see it because we're quarantining. But there are going to be a lot of people out there that are going to have the Mother's Day parties like they always do. What are you going to do? And then you have weenies like our mayor, Weenieberg, saying that if you see people congregating, take a picture and send it to me. For what? You're going to be doing the same thing uh, de Blasio in New York is doing. Uh, and what do the people in New York do? They filled his, his inbox with porn because they were telling you, you know, to screw off because you don't, you can't, you want us to rat people out because they, they're tired of being alone? It's New York. Come on, give me a break. If you've ever been to New York, you know what I'm talking about. The streets are always crowded right now. It's like it's like a, a ghost town. Two or three people instead of two or three thousand walking the sidewalks. Yeah, we've gotten that bad. But it won't last. I have faith. I have to. My life is really not that much better. So, that's it for this segment. I've said quite a bit. Uh, stick around. Once again, this is episode 10 of the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. We will get into more stuff. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk about UFOs and more Tic Tac. All right, you take care. Stick around. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. And in the earlier segment, we were talking about all the things going on with the COVID, how people are reacting, what's going on. And something else that I just wanted to touch on that I did not uh, take up during the last segment, and that was uh, I've seen a lot of posts on my Facebook from people who are upset that people drawing unemployment are getting uh, a bonus or a boost because of that. Uh, I, and the, 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 the figure that keeps getting tossed around is $800. Uh, 
And that's not necessarily true. It just depends, I guess, on uh, your status. A uh, perfect example is me. I'm drawing unemployment because I got fired from my job back in September. And right now, my uh, disability, if you would say, is a hindrance to me getting a job somewhere. Simply because I can't work Monday through Friday because there are three days of the week where I'm not available. And honestly, even though I've been told by many, many other agencies that employers cannot discriminate, they do. Because why is somebody going to buy hire a 60-year-old man with medical issues when they can hire two 30-year-olds that don't know their ass from a hole in the ground and uh, just bamboozle them like crazy and actually have to will pay them less money than they would have to pay me because I've been around and I know the score. It's true. It is a God's honest truth. So, anyway, back to the unemployment thing. Um... I've seen people post, well, I'm an essential personnel, and I'm only making $400 a week, and they're paying people on unemployment $800 a week. That's just not fair. Well, I've got a little tip for you. Life is not fair. I had to learn this the hard way a long time ago, but life is not fair. You deal with it as best you can. But here's a, here's a tip. If you think that it's, we have it so good drawing unemployment, quit your job. And come and get in line and try to fight the other millions of people that are on the Texas unemployment system trying to get into the system to file for unemployment. And since you ha you since you have a job, you gotta start from scratch. You gotta you gotta reapply you gotta apply all over again. So yeah, come on, get in line. It's a it's a, it's a it's a piece of cake of seems uh, from your point of view. But here's the thing, you have a job. You have some sort of security. Uh, be it vacation, paid sick leave, insurance, medical insurance, which those of us on unemployment do not have and can't afford. Okay, so we have it so good. Also, you have something to go back to. Now, if you don't feel that being a checkout girl or a bag boy at HEB is not essential enough for you, or delivering uh, for FedEx or UPS or maybe Grubhub or delivering groceries gives you an inflated ego because of what you're doing is essential. Well, here's a little tip. When all this is over, you go back to being a checkout girl at HEB or a bag boy at HEB or just a UPS driver. Right now you've got a, a title it doesn't bring you any more money, and that's what you're bitching about, really. So you know what? That's between you and your employer. You need to go to your employer, and all the employees have to be behind you, and you need to tell them, hey, we're doing a vital job, we're taking a lot of crap from a lot of people, and we're putting ourselves at risk, and you're not providing anything extra other than sneeze guards, masks, and gloves to protect ourselves with. So we need to be paid double. And then guess what? Most of you will end up in the unemployment lines with the rest of us. Because employers don't want to hear that right now. Oh yeah, everybody's all behind you. But that's not, that's not going to last forever. So you can keep posting that your essential status is vital and that you deserve more money and that we don't deserve any. But here's the other side to that coin. When all this is over, 
and that money is doled out, we go back to drawing our $150 a week that we have to live on, pay our bills on. And I got lucky, if you want to see it that way. I was almost at the end of my unemployment term when this came along, and now they've extended it for up to almost 38, 39 weeks, according to the state controller. Hey, you know, if it keeps me a little bit more viable for a little bit longer, that's all better, because right now I'm waiting to see if I can start drawing my Social Security because of my chronic kidney disease. But you don't care about that because you're an essential worker. Even though I see you posting vids about bitching about how people treat you, well, you know what, you don't have to be an essential worker. Quit. Quit, quit, quit. And come and join the rest of us slobs on unemployment who have it so good. Oh, yeah, I'm eating prime rib every day. Not if you consider bologna prime rib. Maybe it is, or maybe part of it was. I don't know. But look, I feel for you. But I didn't put you in that position. Fate did. You know, and you were probably bitching about your position way before this coronavirus even hit. And you weren't happy. But now you have somebody to focus your anger on, which is those of us drawing unemployment. It's not a picnic. It's not a piece of cake. It's a pain in the ass. You may think it's it sounds good because somebody says, "Oh, they're drawing eight hundred dollars a week," and that's not that's not necessarily true. Not for everybody. So you have to get your collective heads out of your asses, put your nose to the grindstone, do your job, and move on. Because, like I said, all this will be over one day. And whatever you have gotten from your employer is going to be taken away from you. Whether it's that extra $2 an hour they're paying, which is not enough, I agree. But I don't make the rules, I'm not your employer. Or maybe you just made a shitty decision by taking that job. You know, you can't put the blame on everybody else. Sometimes you got to look at that person in the mirror that's looking back at you. And that's part of your problem. I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything. I'm just telling you, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to bark at me because I'm drawing an appointment. Well, I'm going to bark back because, hey, you've got a job. You've got something. You've got something a little bit more tangible than I got because this is not going to last. I said, when this is over and that money's gone, guess what? We all get cut off on our unemployment and we're going back to drawing the $150 a week that we were before. Yeah, I'd like to get another job. I really would. Whether it's essential or not, I don't care. But nobody's going to hire me. I mean, that's my argument, even when I was at the uh, Texas Workforce Commission. And they were like, oh, no, well, they can't discriminate. Yeah, they, they, they by law, they don't, they're not supposed to, but they do. Because when they call you up and say, well, you know, we're going to go in a different direction, or thank you for applying with us, but we're going, you know, we're, we have other candidates to look at. There are, there are ways for them to discriminate. You know, it's just until I get a lawyer and I take them to court and I better have some damn good evidence that they did. You know, it's just not worth my time or my effort or my money. If somebody's willing to give me a job, I will do the best job that I can while I'm there, when I'm there. But until then, I mean, the it's it's pretty obvious. I'm not alone. I, I was at Texas Workforce Commission having a seminar, and I met a gal that is she was a professor at uh, UTSA. She was a political science professor. And they fired her 
because of some stupid some stupid crap, some student filed a grievance, not even against her, it was against another professor, and uh, she got caught in all that crap, and they fired her. This is a college-level professor. This is a smart gal. And uh, she didn't know what she was going to do. And I said, well, you know, there's other universities and colleges in San Antonio. I'm pretty sure somebody would be lucky enough to, to hire you. And she said, well, what if they don't? I said, well, you're in the same boat that I'm in. But you've got a better shot at getting something than I do. And then again, you know, I said, you can always go dance. That's an option. She was good looking. She was she was the cougar type, but you know, still. I don't know. Everybody's upset. Everybody's on edge, and that's that's what drives all these people to write this stupid crap. If you stop and think for a minute before you actually put it out there, well, I was probably better off. I don't know. I guess. Well, I'm just saying, you know, before you start bitching it at a certain group of people, know what it is you're getting into, because if you really don't, you should shut the fuck up. It's just that simple. Sometimes it's better not to be said, and just think it, and then we can all get along much, much better. And something that I also read on my Facebook, somebody posted something, uh, I don't know if it was a quote, by... uh, Oh, what's his name? The black actor everybody likes. Not James Earl Jones. Morgan Freeman. It was a simple phrase that said that if I disagree with you, that does not mean that I do not hate you. And that's something that everybody in this country needs to relearn again. That it's okay to disagree with somebody and not assume that they hate you or that you hate them because of that. I had a discussion one time with a friend of mine that... uh, told me that he hated Trump and I said oh that's too bad I, I, I love the guy I support him I'm one, I, I, I voted for him and I'll vote for him again and his he, without even missing a beat he just didn't even stop and think it just came out he goes we can't be friends anymore because you like Trump and I don't and I was like why is that a problem I mean you and I are friends we, we share a lot more than just who we like and who we dislike and actually he stopped and he thought about it and well guess what we're still friends because he realized that that was just a, a cop out excuse to turn your back on somebody you know if you can't be friends with somebody because you disagree with them well you know what there's a lot of people on my Facebook I disagree with but I don't judge and I let it slide I just don't read it I just don't pay attention to it I just don't let it control my life because there are better things to do living life than worrying about what somebody else thinks. And eventually that person will irritate enough people that they'll just stop listening to them and then after a while they stop posting their stupid shit. I don't know. That's just me. But I'm part of a small minority, I believe. Well, that was that to close out the segment, the segment, and the last segment. So stick around. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. We'll be right back. 
And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. And today is Monday, uh, May the 4th. And it's been a very strange day. Um, and once again, pardon my voice. <clears throat> Just the after effects of dialysis. But, uh, it's been a very weird day because people are just tired of being cooped up at home. Human beings are social animals. We're like dogs. We like to associate with others of our kind. And so after having us quarantine ourselves for almost 45 days, a little bit longer, depending on when you started and uh, it takes its toll you know and what it is is fear people are scared scared of going back out there scared of not going back out there and fear is something that once it gets under your skin doesn't let go it doesn't get out very easily The one thing I learned a long time ago is that fear is the mind killer. If you let fear get up under your skin, it's gonna it's gonna cause bad things. Perfect example is a security guard in uh, Michigan. I think it was Michigan where uh, they had a lot of demonstrations against the governor and the state government because of the quarantine bans, was shot by a customer wanting to go into a store but didn't have a mask and refused to wear one. This is here simply gone awry. You know, you could have tied a bandana around your face and would have ended it. And this guy would still be alive. He was a father of... Eight, and he was just doing his job and he's dead now and you see all these other people define the uh, state government at every turn fear makes you do stupid things if you're not ready to go out and it, it tells me that a lot of you really really aren't You should just stay home a little bit longer until you can uh, ease yourself back into society. Uh, I don't know. Fear is just a real... I'll tell you something about fear. Uh, This actually happened to me when I was in the Navy. We had taken this kid on board. Well, he wasn't a kid. He was already a middle-aged man. But he had just come to the submarine service, and he drew our boat. So, he seemed like a nice guy, good enough guy. Uh, You know, he handled the crew well uh, while we were in port, and now came time to go to sea. We were going to the Med. Now, on a submarine, you're going to cruise at about 400 to 600 feet, 
about doing about 20 knots since you're not at war. You're trying to get there as soon as you can. Now, it takes, on the average, a week to 10 days, depending on how fast you're going, to cross the Atlantic Ocean to get to the Straits of Gibraltar to go into the Mediterranean Ocean. So, we're halfway through our trip across the Atlantic. And I'm on watch in the sonar shack. Now the main hatch is right outside our door. And I'm in there with my guys. There's four of us on watch. Not much to do because we're going 20 knots. You really can't hear anything out there anyway. I mean, it could be banging on the hull of the the boat and you wouldn't hear it. We're going so fast. So, there's a commotion outside. You hear people yelling, other guys yelling. We get up and open the door to Sonar to look and see what's going on. There's about four guys from the control room grabbing onto this kid. And the kid has actually has a grip on the hatch wheel. And he's trying to open it. Because he can't take it anymore. Turns out he he had a really bad case of claustrophobia. And he was trying to get off the ship. I don't know, because his fear was so strong that he didn't realize we were at 400 feet. And that if he managed to get that hatch open, which he wouldn't have, because sea pressure wouldn't have allowed him to open it to begin with. But had he gotten it open, this is the scary part. He would have killed everybody on that ship and himself because his fear was so strong that he wanted to get out get off the ship I remember he was crying yelling at the top of his lungs that he needed to get out he needed to get out they pulled him off they took him down to the doc's office the doc pumped him up with a bunch of uh, sleeping pills or, or uh, sleeping or, basically knocked him out so for the next four or five days they kept him doped up and uh, we got to the Straits of Gibraltar. We got inside the Mediterranean. We made it to the island of, of Sardinia, where the tender was, the submarine tender. I forget the name of that ship. But we got him off. And they ended up flying him to back to the United States. I never saw him again. But this is what fear does to people. It makes them lose their rationale and they will do whatever it takes to satisfy the need that they have to feel normal, I guess you could say. So this guy was willing to risk the lives of 110 men and his own to satisfy a need that never he never would have achieved. He, he would have died in the process. This is what's going on in America today. There's also a growing fear that we may be at, we end up end up at a war with China because of this, because more and more it looks like this was a pandemic that they caused, either accidentally or intentionally. But we found out evidence now that they hoarded uh, personal protection equipment that we could have used here in the states that they were supposed to have shipped out but did not. So these are grounds. 
you know, the things you don't want to think about. But in the meanwhile, we're tearing ourselves apart in this country because we want our lives back. Life as we know it has changed because of a virus. And it's not going to change back until we find a vaccine. So, this is our current dilemma. It's kind of a damned if we do, damned if we don't. we got to get back to work. we got to get people back out there. We need to open the stores and the businesses so people can get on with, with some semblance of their lives. We also have to live with the knowledge that there's a virus out there waiting to make a comeback and, and kill as many as it can. It's not the easiest task in the world. But this is the state of affairs that we're in. Fear is the mind killer. You give in to your fears and you're going to cause the death of a lot of people. I know what that I don't I know what that fear feels like. There was a time there was a time period not too long ago where me and 110 other guys were sitting under the ice while the Russians shot torpedoes at us, depth charged us, trying to dislodge us from the ice to kill us. I never broke. I never showed my fear, even though I was scared shitless. I carried on just like everybody else did, because I knew they were scared too. I wasn't alone. Little did I know that that fear would, I would carry it with me for the rest of my life in the form of PTSD. Uh, I still have it to this day. But the thing is not to give in to the fears. You have to take it by the hand and walk with it, hand in hand. Get comfortable with it. Because it wants to kill you. You can't let it. And I guess that's what, that was my mindset. It's not going to kill me, I'm not going to let it. It's not going to kill me, I'm not going to let it. You have to think the same way. It's not going to kill you. You have to learn to live with it. You'll be better off for it. I know you're scared. You're worried about your family, your wife, your husband, your kids, your mother, your father, your brothers and sisters. I am too. But until there's a vaccine that they pump into my arm and everybody else's, there's not much else I can do about it. Social distancing, wearing masks, and all that other good stuff. And just try to live life as best you can. It's going to get better. I'm confident of that. It's just a matter of time. So, don't let the fear get to you. Uh, you know, deal with it as best you can. And you know what? Share it. Share your fear with others. It does. It's, it doesn't make you weak. As a matter of fact, it makes you stronger. Nietzsche said, "That which does not kill us, make us stronger." I'm a firm believer in that, because I've been around this long and it hasn't killed me yet. That which does not kill us, make us stronger. And you're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. 
I'm your host, Ben Hur, and we will be right back with more shtick. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. And I just had to delete the segment I did last night because it was a piece of trash. It was just crap. It was just me rambling. But then again, when do I not ramble as I'm rambling now? Uh, doing something different today, I'm standing up while I deliver this because it seems that I breathe better when I'm standing up. I'll yawn less. And uh, this is what I used to do when I was on the radio at KTSA with Chris Duell. Uh We stood for the entire show. It just promotes better breathing. It allows the diaphragm to function a lot better. My voice is a little bit stronger. Uh, as opposed to yesterday, I was tired. It was late. And you could really hear it in my you could really hear my voice just cracking and peaking and just it was just not good. So okay, today is Thursday, April the seventh, I believe. I think I got that right. And uh, it's another day. A lot of a lot has happened within the past oh, three hours since I've been up. Actually, that's not true. I'm, I'm, I'm usually up by about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. I, I just can't help it because I get up to go to clinic, to get ready to go to clinic at 4 in the morning on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays aren't any different. I don't really know what it's like to sleep in anymore. I remember the good old days. Man, when I was younger, I could sleep till 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock sometimes because I could. Now, I mean... <laughs> You just call me, when I get up in the morning, you can call me Rice Krispies because I snap, crackle, and pop. Just trying to get up out of bed. It's uh, it's a chore sometimes. Well, anyway, let me get back on track here. Uh, two things that have happened. Yesterday at clinic, I got the sixth shot in the second round of my hepatitis B vaccines. They started these last year when I was at the uh, clinic on on, uh, on uh, Red Rosa Verde Towers, which is just a block away from where I am now. And so once a month, for three months, you get a big honking needle shoved in your arm, and they pop, push this burning hot vaccine of hepatitis B into your arm, and it burns and it hurts for a day. Yeah, it hurts. People don't like this shot. I don't either. So now I get one every month for three months. And then they test me to see if I've developed antibodies for hepatitis B. Because it seems that hepatitis B is one of the most common ailments that goes around a dialysis clinic. Why, I don't know. They can't tell you why. But it's because the machines, as they process a person's blood, they can't guarantee that the machine is 110% clean after it goes through its cleaning cycle and gets gets each and, and every... Uh, corpuscle of blood out of the machine we certainly don't get it all back because if you look at the tubes when they disconnect us there's still a lot of our blood left in there they try to put as much back as they can with the saline and all that but some remains i mean blood is sticky stuff if you know what i'm talking about so anyway yesterday so okay the first after the first round it didn't take i didn't develop antibody so guess what the following month, I had to start all over again. Three more shots, three more months. And still no antibodies. So now I'm over at this clinic, and we started again three months ago. And yesterday the nurse came up and told me, uh, it's time for your third shot for the Hep B vaccine. And I was like, you know, why do we even bother? We already determined, you should have already determined that I'm not going to make antibodies. 
She goes, well, we don't give up hope. You, you might. I said, yeah, after the first trial, you should have, like, written me off. So, I, she, I argued the point with her, and I was like, you know what, just give me the damn shot. Let's just get it over with. So, she, after about an hour later, she comes and she administers the, uh, the shot. And, yeah, my arm is, is it's still a little sore right now. It's not that bad, but, yeah, it's, it's not fun. So now, this is the way it works. If I don't, there, there's one more shot in a month, and it's going to be a booster. I've never had a booster, so we'll see what that's all about. And uh, hopefully, I, I really love to just to make the antibodies, just to get these people off my back and just be done with it, and that's one more thing I don't have to worry about. So, that's that with the hepatitis B. And you know what, if you know somebody on dialysis, they, they've gone through the same thing. We all do. Because hepatitis B is one of the most uh, chronic things they worry about there at the clinic. Not hep- hepatitis A, not hepatitis C, hep B. Because, I mean, you know, all the hepatitis uh, viruses will kill your liver. And then you're really screwed. I mean, it's bad enough your kidneys aren't working. To lose your, your liver, that's even worse. So, that's done. Now, the other thing is, I just got off the phone this morning about... 20 minutes ago with a Social Security. Well, I've been approved for my Social Security, so I will start drawing Social Security in June. So I got another month, but uh, it'll be the, the third Wednesday of the month, and I think this, this time it falls on the 17th. And half my problems are over. Now, if I can get the other half problem, which is getting some compensation from the from the DOD, for my PTSD, that's going to be a bigger fight because I have they have to prove that I am nuts or somewhat disabled in the mind, which I can tell you that I am because right now, I honestly have toyed with the idea of just putting my gun in my mouth and pulling the trigger. Because what the hell, what's another dead vet? Nobody gives a shit, Right. Veteran suicide is one of the leading amounts of sui- leading uh, causes of suicide in people, veterans. We go, we serve our country, and then we see things that no normal human being should watch. I was watching the movie last night, Fury, with Brad Pitt. It's a World War II story about a tank crew. And one of the guys that they get on their, a new member of their crew is a new guy out of the, just out of, fresh out of boot. He was trained as a clerk typist. He wasn't supposed to serve in actual combat, but the Army transferred him to a frontline unit to serve as an assistant driver on a tank. That kid saw some shit. And I'm pretty sure it screwed with his mind down the road. Yeah, I know it was probably a fictitious story, but still, when you imagine the plight of all these guys, guys that went to Nam, and all of a sudden you're jumping off this helicopter, running into the jungle, and there are... Asian men shooting at you, trying to kill you, and it's a simple matter of you kill them or they kill you. It's really that simple. War is not as complicated for the foot soldier as it is for the general commanding the troops. Simply because you're there in the middle of the jungle trying to survive, trying to keep stave death off for another day. And... uh, it screws with your head. I mean, that, a lot of guys that came back from World War II, were, I mean, that, that's why you had such high rates of smoking and alcohol abuse, and then in the 60s, drug abuse. 
we see things that no, no normal person should ever see, and myself included. Not everybody in the Navy sees the shit, but sometimes you see, taste, and live it. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I wish to God I had never had that happen to me. I wish to God that maybe I'd listened to my friends and gone to college instead of joining the, the Navy two days after graduation from high school. Yeah, I graduated from high school on May the 28th, 1978. On May the 30th, I was at an AFI station on San Saba and raising my right hand and taking the oath of allegiance or whatever, whatever it's called. And then 10 minutes later, I was on a bus on the way to the airport on a plane to San Diego to Naval Recruit Depot. And that's where it started. I had no idea that that was going to happen to me. I had no idea what I was in for. I mean, I took every place I've been to in some sort of stride until I went on that one mission. And that's all it takes is one really hairy, hairy mission to screw somebody's head up pretty good. And I was no different. I don't know how my other mates turned out. I hope they fared better than I did. But all I know is, you know, all the crap that I've gone through. It's, uh, it's different. I see people a whole lot differently now than I used to. Maybe it's because of my older age now also. I don't know. I... But, uh, yeah, lately with the corona crackdown and all that and just people just being nastier to each other, I just kind of, uh, I just kind of wonder what I'm doing here and why I'm doing it. I don't know. I'm just living day by day, doing the best that I can, just trying to do for me and my family and humanity if I can. I don't know where I'm going down this road, but I'm walking it. I don't think I really want to end it, not just yet. But uh, I'm not, that's the way I feel sometimes. It's just, uh, yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking. I know how you feel. You feel the same way. What's the point? The point is, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. It's just like that uh, that movie uh, Castaway with Tom Hanks, where at the very end of the movie he says, "He just have to keep breathing, because the next day the sun will rise, and who knows what will wash up on the shore that day." That's it. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. We will be right back with more. I think I got enough for one more segment, so we'll check it out because it's almost the end of the week. I got to publish this tomorrow, and we'll see you. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur, and today I am coming. Today is Friday, May the 8th, and I am doing this final segment from the clinic. I am sitting here hooked up to the machine and the machines are humming, so every now and then you might hear an alarm go off or something, don't worry about it. Um, The machines seem to go off for whatever reason. I'm flanked by my chairmates on my left, Mr. Queen, he's asleep. 
And on my right, Mrs. Jones. And I think she's watching TV. So it's just you and me and 21 other people who are pretty much oblivious to what I'm doing. So a spot of good news. I got a call yesterday from uh, my insurance company, WellCare, who used to be part of uh, Aetna, but not anymore. And uh, he was talking to me about, well, he was actually asking me what my needs were. Right now, WellCare takes care of my Part D, which is my medication for, you know, all the stuff that I'm on. I'm, I'm only on, like, three meds. Uh, insulin, which I haven't used in over a year since I've been on dialysis. And uh, Carvedilol, which is for my blood pressure. And even of that, I only take 3.12 milligrams twice a day. And then the other one, I don't even get from the pharmacy because the pharmacy here at the clinic provides me with it. It's called Vesforo, which is a tablet that I eat three times with every meal because what that does is it's a binder. And what it does is when it's in my, in my gut, it binds with all the phosphorus that's in the food that I'm eating because they can't eliminate phosphorus from everything. So that absorbs some of it and uh, gets released in my urine. And then I don't have to worry about being very high on my phosphorus when they do my labs at the end of the month. And actually my phosphorus is usually very, very good. So it works, even though they build the shit out of me because I've seen the the billing room statements that I get from WellCare. For one year of the Vesforo, they billed me $16,000. That's a lot of money for three little pills that I eat with every meal. But hey, what the hell? I don't, I'm not paying for it. I mean, if I did, it'd be even worse because I probably wouldn't take it. That's a lot of money. But I guess it does its job. And it keeps me from having to go to the hospital uh, or for having to, inc to increase my treatments to remove all that those impurities. So anyway, as we're, as we're talking, I explained to him what my needs are. Because I've been turned down by two other uh, insurance companies, United Healthcare and Aetna. Because I was trying to find a supplemental insurance policy to cover the other 20% of what I what Medicare doesn't pay for. And he asked me one question, are you on dialysis? And of course the answer is yes. They have the same rule. Insurance companies will not provide you with a Part C because you have an, a, an existing condition which, and I've explained to you this before, that... Um, Dialysis patients eat up one-third of the Medicare budget. Yeah, there's a lot of us. And when you have these clinics billing Medicare $160,000 a month, uh, it adds up. And it turns out to be one-third of their yearly budget. That's a lot of money. That's the billions of dollars. This is a, a very cash-lucrative business to be in. 
also like the technicians here, they get paid very well for what they do, especially if you're what they call a floater, a person that goes from clinic to clinic because they pay mileage, they pay travel, they pay a whole lot of stuff. So it's it's beneficial to be a floater because we have a lot of floaters at this clinic. There's only one, two, three, four, four permanent staff members and the technicians out of eight to ten. So that says something. And when you see the, the cars in the parking lot, it's like that makes a whole nother statement. But anyway, so anyway, as we're talking about what my needs are, he tells me, well, can you wait nine more months? And I said, why? He said, because in nine months, the restrictions have been lifted and they'll be able to offer Part C or supplemental insurance program for people like me. So people like me who are on dialysis, people who are on uh, chemotherapy, will be able to finally get a supplemental insurance pro policy that will help you cover or defray some of the costs of uh, medical procedures because they do get expensive. Um, so that's a good thing. And uh, I just have to hold out until October when the open enrollment comes around because in 2021, the federal government has lifted some restrictions and will offer supplemental insurance policies to people in my condition. So that's another positive thing. The only thing, the only downside to what happened is I told you about Social Security provided me with uh, with my Social Security income now. The bad thing is that I had applied as of when my disability started in uh, April of 2018, which should have been two years of retro money that should have come to me. And instead, they're only going to recognize my condition as of September of 2019 when I lost my job at the comedy club. So the benefits that I should have received are going to be slightly diminished, not what I thought it was going to be. So plans that I had for that money is going to have to be put on hold or on hiatus because I don't know... Well, I know that the, the things that I wanted, I cannot afford at this point. So it's just a matter of just waiting. Something better will come along, and uh, I'll be back on track. At least I hope so. So I just got to hold out until October for the open enrollment. And uh, he said they're all going to do this, so I'm assuming United Healthcare. And Aetna and everybody else is too, so we'll see who's going to offer the best policy, and that's usually the one I'm probably going to go with. So that's what's going on right now with me. Although I do have to say that I've been a little bit more perturbed than normal. I'm a little bit angrier than normal. I think it's because just the uh, stay-at-home order is just starting to get to me. Uh, I mean, I have physical contact with other people. I see people every other day when I interact with here at the clinic, you know, with the nurses, the technicians, and even my other chairmates. But, I don't know. It, yesterday I found myself very angry for no reason at all. 
and you know it's also part of the PTSD that I have but uh, nobody will recognize and I'm trying to get the disabled American veterans to help me with that and get something from the Navy uh, I'm not saying what they did was wrong but I got put in harm's way and you know I agreed I signed up for it I raised my right hand and I said yes I will do all these things I just did not realize the effect it would have on me mentally down the road. But nobody anticipates that. We just kind of try to deal with it as best we can. But there are days when it gets to me. And like one of those days was yesterday. I mean, I was... Toward the evening, I was just angry. And I really don't know what I was angry with or to whom or about. It just, I felt this rage just come over me and I had to do my best to beat it down and not think about it and then it went away. But I know that everybody, other people that have PTSD, and you know, here's the thing about PTSD. After this is all over, the corona scare of 2019, 2020, everybody in the United States is going to have PTSD. We're all going to be a little bit squirrelier. We're all going to be a little bit, you know, eyes shifting back and forth. Who's after me? Who's who's behind me? So, it's, it's a brave new world, as I've said before. And we're just going to have to deal with that. And I'll leave you with that. That's the end of this segment. That's the end of this episode. I do appreciate you if you take the time to listen. I know right now I only have probably one listener. And she's already missed two of my episodes. But she'll get back on track. So if you're listening, I appreciate every minute that you listen to what I got to say. You know what? What I say is really not important. It's just my thoughts. And if anything, if it helps one person, I've done my job. That's, That's all I... I wanted to accomplish. If I can get somebody to change their lifestyle, try to live a better life, a cleaner life, then I've done my job. So, I will leave you with my standard greeting, my parting. Live your life as best you can. Every day it's a precious gift. Laugh at everything you see. And don't be afraid who judges you because you laugh. Laugh at anything and everything. And you know what? Laugh at yourself. Because that's the best thing you can do. And then love. Love the world you're in. Love the people that are in it. And love yourself. Okay, that's it for these children. And you know what? Here's one thing I wanted to say. I I got the episodes all screwed up. I'm actually over one episode. So actually, this is episode nine. I screwed up so a few weeks back and I called it one ahead and it's actually one behind. So this is really episode number nine of the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I appreciate you for listening. And I want to once again extend a thank you to Anchor Radio for getting me started on this new podcast and uh, putting it up for me. I'm available on Anchor Radio, Overcast, and Spotify. So you take care, and these are the Chairland Chronicles, signing off.